0: The very moment that a person accepts Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, receives the Spirit of God into their life, they are immediately and literally, instantly transported from the kingdom of darkness into God's kingdom of glorious, marvelous light. What does that mean for our position? It means that we are immediately put at odds with darkness. We are immediately placed on a battlefield. We are immediately a part of a conflict of two opposing wills. The will of God and all of His followers. And the will of Satan, our enemy, and all of His followers. We know that God desires what is right and true and pure. We know that Satan desires that which is evil and perverse and corrupt. I want us to think about this. The war rages on even today. It was waged many, many years ago. In fact, we'll look at that in Scripture together. But after that war was waged, we need to see that, and even though it rages on today, the end of that conflict is a decided fact. We know very clearly from Scripture, in fact, the Bible says in the book of Revelation that they were not strong enough, they being the devil and his demons, they were not strong enough and they lost their place in heaven. And in fact, in Revelation 20 verse 10, it gives the ultimate end of the devil. It says that he would be cast into the lake of fire. It is an important thing for us to understand that while this conflict is of two opposing wills, they're certainly not opposite. God is the creator. Satan is a created being. And it's important for us to think about spiritual warfare as we've been looking at prayer. I don't know about you, but I have been so blessed already through this 30-day challenge. Praying, Praying with my prayer partner at the end of every single day has been a great joy. I want to make sure that if you've not been a part of that and want to, week three prayer guides are available right outside the office door. So we'd love for you to pick those up On your way out today, continue praying But we are in a a battle, we're in a war Satan wants to steal, kill and destroy Christ comes to give eternal life Now it's important that we get some theology straight Even before we talk about the, the strategies of Satan The reality of spiritual conflict And yes, even the yellow line We'll get there It's important for us to get some theology straight Do you believe that God is sovereign or not? If you believe that Satan has free reign completely to attack at will, then your response is going to be kind of interesting. Your response is going to be one such as this. You will say, well, there's going to be constant attack. If Satan and his demons are able just to attack me or you or our families or this church or our nation at will, there's just going to be a constant bombardment of spiritual activity. Would you agree with that? If we believed that way. And and I really think that if we believe that, we probably would have to believe that there's really no greater purpose for those attacks. Other than Satan simply trying to disrupt the will of God in our lives. He's trying to frustrate us and trying to uh, discourage us. But if you believe that God is sovereign and you believe that Satan cannot and will not attack without permission... As we see in the book of Job, he has to get permission from God to do what he does. He is not on a a completely free reign. He's on a long leash. And we know, again, that he will one day be pulled into account and cast into the lake of fire. But if we believe that about Satan and his demons, and we believe that God has ultimate authority, then our response to spiritual warfare and attack looks differently. The way that we pray is not just, oh Lord, help us get through this attack so we're not frustrated. The the response to the attack becomes this, Lord, show me the greater purpose in this conflict. I I read a quote this week that just ministered to me. A.W. Tozer said this, he said, the moment that I come to the place where I realize everything that happens in my life is to make me more like Christ. It relieves a great deal of anxiety. Amen? That ought to set somebody free this morning. You ought to come to the place where you say, As I go through difficulties, relationally, financially, physically, emotionally, all of the struggles of my life, God is working together for good. All of those things. For his purpose, and there in Romans 8 it describes his purpose, that you and I would be conformed to the image of Jesus. So everything that we experience in life is molding and shaping like divine sandpaper, even the attacks of the enemy. But we're engaged in a battle. And this morning, I want us to talk about that battle. I want us to talk about some of the strategies of Satan in the midst of that battle. And I want us to go back to the very beginning and look at these uh, attacks. Look at his strategy. Look at the reality of spiritual conflict. And as we look at that, I think that you will begin to see what we're fighting against. It's important for us to see that. Turn with me, if you will, to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. As we look there, we'll begin in verse 1, Genesis chapter 3. Now, the serpent was more cunning, was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden. But about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said, you must not eat it or touch it or you will die. No, you will not die, the serpent said to the woman. In fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Then the woman saw the tree was good for food and delightful to look at and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. Then the man and the woman heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and they hid themselves from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So the Lord God called out to man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And then he asked, who told you you were naked? Did you eat from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Then the man replied, the woman you gave me, she gave me some of the fruit from the tree, and I ate it. So the Lord God asked the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, it was the serpent. He deceived me, and I ate We'll come back and finish up with verses 14 and 15 in a moment, but I want us to pray together, and I sincerely mean this, church family. I want you to to gain some perspective on some practical things about your life. Sometimes we talk about matters like spiritual conflict, like spiritual warfare and it seems so far removed from our day-to-day lives but I want you to understand that you have a part in this conflict your responsive obedience to God and I believe when you begin to look at it you'll see prayer works amen you'll see that prayer really does work. It is amazing as we as a church family begin to pray for things, I believe we'll see the move of God in this church. I believe as we pray for people to be saved, we'll see people saved. I believe as we pray for God to send workers into the harvest fields, workers will rise up, and that may be you and me. We may be the very answer to our own prayer. But I'll tell you this, we've had sweet fellowship as we prayed each and every night. I have two prayer partners, and I pray at 8 o'clock in the night, at night with one and 9 with the other. I just finished my day praying. And as we've prayed, we've sensed that Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But we also have sensed very, very confidently that God has something for this church. God has something for this city. God has something, I believe, for our nation. We live in a messy, messy time in the world. Our culture around us is is just showing the darkness. And you and I will stand as a, a, a city on a hill, if you will, as a beacon, a bright light, the light of the world, Jesus said, in the midst of a culture that gets darker. I want us to pray together, and then I want us to look at the strategies of Satan. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that this Morning, you would help us to see clearly the intent of the enemy, the strategy of the enemy. And God, that we would find ourselves encouraged as we move beyond all that Satan throws toward us. And we would move to a place of abiding in Christ. Father, thank you for your power. Thank you for your promise that you have overcome the world. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your promise that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Speak to us through your word this morning, God, in Jesus' name, amen. What is this line, Brother Scott, that you have put in our church? Why have you divided our church? You're trying to split the church? Let me give you a clear word picture. I really want you to grab this today. Let's just say that this is the sin line, all right? This is the sin line. Now, this is the difficult part for me. Which side do I pick? Let's just say that these folks on this side have not yet crossed the line of sin. All right? The reason that I picked this side, Brother Homer, he's my prayer partner. My wife's over there. And if I had put her on that side, I'd have been in trouble, right? You guys have not yet crossed the line of sin. You guys, I'm sorry, Charlie. I'm sorry, Dale. Dale, you're in sin. You've crossed the line. I knew that there'd be some people that might sit sort of in the middle and they could scoot over. Miss Mona told me she might slip under on the other side, depending on what I called this line. Virgil, I'm really sorry. You're way in sin over there. Let me ask you a question, and I'm I'm not being facetious or funny. Do you know pretty much in your life when you're about to cross the line in sin? Do you know when you're about to tell a lie, you're about to embellish something, you're about to step into some action that you know will displease the Lord and you're about to cross the line? Do you know where the lines are? Everybody? Most everybody? Let me ask you this. Do you know how you're going to feel after you cross the line? What are some of the things that we, we know as Christians we're going to feel? When we sin and we cross that line of sin, what are some things that we often feel? Guilt, I heard regret, pain, what else? There's all kinds of responses, maybe even anger. Why did I do that again? We know where the line is. Sadly, in this culture, we're, we're living in a world where they're trying to move the line. Or they're trying to blur it out and say there are no lines, there is no sin. But we know clearly that God's word is revealed that there is a right, there is a wrong, there is an established pattern of holiness that God has for us. God is a holy God and he demands with all of his justice holiness. There's a line of sin. Here's one thing that I think we need to look at before we begin to work back through Genesis 3. Be honest with yourself. How close do you try to live to that line? If you're honest, I think all of us at some levels find ourselves getting real close to the line now I know I've shared some of this with you before but I want you to hear this because if we don't see this we're going to find ourselves continually crossing the line of sin and continually outside of God's will for our lives and obedience and we're going to find ourselves rendered completely ineffective in this spiritual conflict And I want our church to be obedient to the Lord so that God would hear our prayers. I don't want my prayers hindered or hampered in any way. And I want Him to begin by His Spirit guiding my prayers and helping me to pray the kinds of prayers that Jesus would want me to pray and to be the kind of man that Jesus wants me to be as your pastor. And I want to begin to pray even more fervently that you would become the kind of husband and father, and mother, and child, and, and student, and Christian, salt and light, right here in Hattiesburg. So as we think about this, think about how close you get to the line. We find ourselves really almost saying, we're going to ring out as much fun as we can without sinning. What you're saying to the Lord, choir, is this, Jesus, I don't want to sin, but I don't want to miss anything either. Right? I mean, I'm just being honest. We we say, Lord, I, I don't want to miss out on something. And somehow we've been so deceived to believe that the things of this world, the things that are on the other side of that line, will somehow bring satisfaction. That takes us back to the beginning of the conflict. Let's look together at these strategies of satan where did all this begin well we know in isaiah 14 there's a picture of satan saying i will ascend i will put my throne above the most high i will sit uh, among uh, the the clouds of the sky in essence he said i will ascend to the heights of the clouds and be like the most high and then when god creates man he creates woman satan comes after them the very pinnacle of god's creation and he begins to dialogue with them I want you to see this. We wage, and this is pretty quick just to put on the screen to make sure we get the first three filled in. I wanted to jump right in. We're fighting against the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world around us draws us towards sin. I don't know if we'll have these on or not. The world around us draws us towards sin. The flesh inside us leans towards sin. Hear me with that. The world is drawing us towards sin, The flesh inside of us is leaning towards sin. And the devil, or the spiritual powers, if you will, are pushing us towards sin. The Bible says that we battle the world, the flesh, and the devil. What is the world? It's not this physical earth. It's the system. You and I know that the media bombards us with all kinds of messages about greed. Hey, you need this and you need that. All kinds of messages about pleasure. All kinds of messages that are against what God would desire for us. It it pushes self and self-promotion. The world around us is drawing us towards sin. And we still have flesh. We still have this old nature, the the shell, if you will, of our lives. Not the flesh and bone, not our actual physical flesh, but the sin nature that we continually put to death as living sacrifices until Jesus pulls us out of corruptible flesh and dresses us in incorruption perfected forever. Uh, Until that day, we still battle the flesh within us. That's what causes us to draw toward the line. The world is beckoning us. It's saying, come on over. And our flesh wants to get as close as we possibly can. And the devil's right behind us pushing us across that line. So let's look at these six things. Number one, it comes from verse one. The enemy engages us in conversation. The enemy engages us in conversation. It says here that the serpent came and he began to talk to the woman. He just began to talk to Eve. And as he talks to her, it's just, let's just talk about this. And in our day, you say, well, Satan doesn't talk in my ear. I beg to differ with you. Somebody wrongs you. And Satan says, why don't you just linger right there? Why don't you just stew in some bitterness? Why don't you just kind of hang out and think about that? Somebody's hurt you and and they were in the wrong and you just say, well, I'm just going to hang on to that. Satan's pushing you toward the line. He engages us in conversation. So he starts this conversation with Eve and as he and Eve begin to dialogue, he starts into the second strategy that I want you to see. The enemy wants us to ignore the Word of God. The enemy wants us to ignore God's Word. Did God... Really say? You see that in the text? Is that really what God said to you? Did God really mean that? And he does that today, does he not? In our culture, do you think God means today what he meant then? Yes. Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever. The line hasn't moved. But the reality is that we find ourselves engaged in conversation with the devil and he gets us to a place where if he can get us to ignore the word of God, then we start looking at things we ought not look at. We start heading in directions we ought not head. So let's continue. He gets us to a place where he says, does God really say that? And she comes back and says, this is what God said. And then he flat out denies it. You will not die. There's no danger on that side. Parents, have you ever told your kids not to do something because you knew of the danger of what was coming on the other side of the line? You may have begged them not to. You may have pled with them, oh, don't do this. Don't involve yourself in that kind of activity because there's danger on the other side. And that's one of those places where Satan whispers and says, it's okay, it's not dangerous, it won't hurt you. And when he gets us to a place where we ignore the Word of God and we look for pleasures outside of complete satisfaction in Christ, then we're getting dangerously close to walking straight across that line. The enemy wants you to first and foremost engage in conversation. Begin to listen to the voices of the world drawing you. Begin to listen to your flesh that leans to. You know, that does seem right to me. You know, it just seems, put it in any context you want to, in the current discussion that, that's going on about uh, homosexuality and same-sex marriage, as you look at those things, God's standards have not changed. There is still a right and still a wrong. And I'm not banging the pulpit about one sin and not about others. Sin is sin. But God's line has not moved. It has not changed. And the world around us says, you're being intolerant. You're being unloving. And we begin to scratch our heads and some people with our flesh lean toward it. Well, you know, we we ought to love people. Sure we should. And the most loving thing we can do is to tell people the truth. And the truth is sin will carry you to hell. The wages of sin is death. It's loving to tell people the gospel, wherever they are. Satan wants to engage you in conversation. He wants you to ignore the word of God. And look with me at this third place. He wants you to be directed to all that we're missing. All that you're missing. What did he tell Eve? Oh, you will not die if you eat of that fruit. You know what will happen? You'll be like God. What had God given to Adam and Eve in the garden? Everything they needed. Everything. He had supplied all of them. He had given them wonderful richness. Oh, we'll, we'll have a relationship, Adam. We will walk together. We will talk together. We will enjoy time together. It says that they heard the Lord God during the time of the evening breeze. It is a picture that they walked with the Lord in the coolness of the day in the garden. They had the very presence of God. They had all the provision of God. And what did they look at? The one prohibition. God said, not that tree. And what did Satan say? What about that tree? Folks, let me tell you, there's a lie in the world that's going all around. It says very simply, God is not good. God's withholding something from you. God doesn't withhold things from us. If he gives us a prohibition, he's saying, don't hurt yourself. You've heard me say that before. When God answers affirmatively in a prayer, he's saying, help yourself. And he said that over and over again to Adam and Eve. Help yourself. You have all of this. And Satan said, what about that? And God was saying, don't hurt yourself. And I believe that all throughout our lives, God puts us in a a, a scenario, a circumstance, a, a surrounding, an environment in which we're we're in a place where we need to surrender and trust him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And I believe God created us as needy beings and showed his full provision. Had he just given everything and said, it's all yours, sooner or later, I, I don't know this, but I, it just seems that sooner or later they would have said, well, look at all that we have. With the provision uh, or the prohibition of this one tree, they looked and God is in control. God is still greater. Satan brings them right up to the edge of the line, and he says, look over there. Boy, look at that. Look how good that is. And, and Eve said, oh, this looks wonderful. It looks, looks delightful to the eye. It looks good for food. And God said, do not. Don't hurt yourself. And they went right up to the line. Satan engaged in conversation. Satan wanted to ignore the Word of God. He does that in our lives. Satan begins to show you all that you're missing. Let me give you a real world application. Most people don't wake up and say, today I think I'll throw my marriage away. I'll throw my family away. I think today I'm going to just run out and have an affair and leave my family. I think that's what I'll do today. Yep, that's on my agenda. I'll write that on my day timer. No, they start far away from the line, committed and loving, and they're in a place where maybe, just maybe, they work uh, harder than they should work and they somehow neglect home. Now, it takes two to tango, and so let's just say she says, well, he's not meeting my emotional needs. And so she starts kind of barking back. And now there's some selfishness on both sides, and they get frustrated. And he goes off to work, and maybe somebody at work speaks a kind word to him. And you know what happens? The enemy engages him in conversation. He begins to dialogue and move him closer to the line. Wait. you deserve to be happy. The world's drawing him, because that's what the world tells us, doesn't it? You deserve to be happy. I'll never forget this in Olive Branch, Mississippi, one of my favorite little donut shops that was not too far from our church. I'd drive past it and say, Get thee behind me, Satan. Their advertising is is marvelous. Their box says, You deserve a donut. I would drive past that place and I would say, You're right, I do. I deserve a donut. And I could justify all the reasons that I needed a donut. I'd say, yes, I deserve one. I just deserve it. You deserve to be happy. Your wife doesn't understand you. Your husband doesn't understand you. He doesn't care. And all of a sudden, where we started out back there, Satan has drawn us. The world has drawn us. Satan has pushed. Our flesh has leaned. And we get right up to the line. And Satan says, look at what you're missing. You've you've got so much, but you're willing to throw that away. And every time we sin, church, hear me. Every time we cross that line, what we are doing is forsaking all of the benefits and all of the provision of God. Have mercy. You know what that means for us? That means in our lives, that includes the cross of Christ. You're saying, God, you have provided redemption for me. We heard that sung about. You provided all that for me and I don't care. What you provided for me is not enough. And Satan pushes you toward what you're missing. And we know that in Christ we have everything we need. We're not missing a thing. Amen? I hope you live there. And by the way, I just want to encourage and strengthen men. You need other men in your life that will help hold you accountable to purity and holiness. And we as men need to be praying for one another. Ladies, you need to be doing the same. I'm longing for strengthened marriages. And we'll work in this church in the days to come to strengthen marriage, to strengthen family, to focus on those things that are right. Because I don't want our families treading on this line or getting close to the line, stumbling across or running across the line of sin. Wouldn't it be great if we just determined today, okay, from now on we're done with sin. Boy, I wish we could do that. Maybe we should say it in our hearts and say, Lord Jesus, I just want to abide in you. Number four. This is, by the way, after we've crossed the line. The enemy wants us to hide. The enemy wants us to hide. Isn't that interesting? Immediately when they sinned, they knew that there was something wrong. They tried to cover themselves with fig leaves. Now, why don't we wear fig leaf clothes today? Aren't you glad we don't? Amen. Fig leaves were an insufficient covering for them. The Lord sacrificed on their behalf. We know He sacrificed an animal. The spilled blood of that innocent animal gave them covering. We know that that was the first sacrifice and the last sacrifice, hallelujah, was a lamb that was slain and the covering of that land covered all of our sin. I'm so thankful. Amen. I want us to see this though. They immediately knew something was wrong and they began to hide themselves. We try to hide our sinfulness. Satan wants to divide. Jesus unites us, and as we're united as a church family, we need to become more and more transparent. We need to be more and more open to allowing others to investigate our lives. I want people looking into my life and saying, Scott, there's a danger here. Put a guardrail there. You need those things because we try to hide our sin. And if Satan can divide and conquer, then he will win in that respect. We know the war is decided. But he can take out our effectiveness as witnesses. He can destroy our relationship with God in terms of not an ultimate separation, but the fellowship that we experience with God. Does that make sense, anybody? Like Heidi would tell me, anybody picking up what I'm laying down, do you hear this? I want you to grasp it because this is so intensely practical for our lives every day. Satan is constantly... Constantly taking us to the line. The world is constantly drawing us toward the line. He wants us to hide. I think verse 7 and 8 is, it's almost comical in a tragic way. They hid themselves from the Lord God. You can't do that. His eyes are everywhere. The psalmist said if I make my bed in Sheol <laughs> if I go to the highest heaven you are there. Number five, the enemy wants us to blame other people. The enemy wants us to blame other people. Lord, it was that woman you gave me. Lord, it was that serpent that came. The buck speeds up here. And we do that in our spiritual lives all the time. Well, you don't really understand my circumstance. If you knew what I was going through, then you would would understand that this is a, you know, I I had some reasons for what I did. No, you didn't. You crossed the line. All of that said, as a church, I want us to stop blaming others. I want us to take responsibility. I want us to stop hiding from each other and hiding our sin. And I want us to stop listening to the enemy. And I want us to stop crossing the line. And I want us to live in victory in this spiritual battle. That would be a great place for an amen choir. All right, thank you. We're going to finish this up. Number six and we finish. The enemy becomes our accuser. The enemy becomes our accuser. See, we started out on this side and he was saying, oh, friend, come here. Let me show you something good. And then he gets on this side and he begins to accuse us. You're sorry. You're worthless. You're no count. He begins to accuse us and look at us and say, how in the world could you say you love God and still do that? He accuses us and says, how in the world could God love you if you do those things? And and he becomes the accuser because he's a liar. That's what he does. He's the father of lies. He is uh, one that cannot speak truth. All of this put together helps us to see that there's a spiritual conflict going on. Now, God wages spiritual war In verses 14 and 15 as we move forward, and for for time's sake, I just want you to listen to me. He wages, he declares war, saying that one is coming. He says, you will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. The ultimate victory, yes, Jesus would be struck down with the blow of death, but he would rise again victoriously, giving us life eternal. And that war was waged in Genesis chapter 3. And that war is concluded, we see in the book of Revelation. He was not strong enough and he lost his place from heaven and he was cast into the lake of fire. And then I hear the, the words of John the Revelator as he's given a view behind the curtain. I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the former things were passed away. God wipes away every tear. And there's no need for the sun because he is our light. We have that promise Today I don't know where you are Maybe you walked in this place And you're just a tightrope walker Right on the line Maybe you're doing your best To stay away from sin Just know this You can in your own power It's only because of His power That we overcome sin And maybe you are far in sin Today you can turn That's the answer If it's the first time Or the next time Repent Turn and turn back to the Lord Jesus Christ and come home. We're going to have a a time of decision. We're going to have a, a time this morning where if you need to be saved, we would love to share with you from the Word of God what it means to be saved. If you'd like to unite with this church, or if you'd like to just come and pray at this altar, I have been praying all week that God would move in this very time of decision. I've been praying all week that God would do something great in our midst, and I'm still hanging on to that because He is a great God. There's work to be done, folks. Let's not sit back on our laurels and just wait for Jesus to come back. Let's don't bunker down and hold on. The Bible says that the church that Jesus built is a church that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. Let's literally storm the gates of hell together in this spiritual conflict. Let's all stand together as we sing. Brother Mark, what are we singing?